this is not restless. Okay, I know you just want to get to the show, but I'm actually here to tell you that there's a way that you can get even more restless in your life. You can do that by going to patreon.com backslash the restless podcast, where there are three different ways, starting at just $3 a month, that you can both support this show and at the same time get even more content, at least one extra episode a week and often more. Not to mention the Restless Telegram channel that you'll have access to 24-7 to interact with all the other patrons. If you want more Restless in your life, this is the way. Go to patreon.com backslash the Restless Podcast. Okay, back to the show. All right, get ready, everybody, because here we come. This is Restless. That's for Michael. We just had to start with that celebratory playing of The Lord's My Shepherd, Psalm 23, sang by a stadium of fans. I love it. Because I love it. It sounds great, man. I would... We, we should do that more often. Fill stadiums with psalms. <laughs> oh, man, we definitely should. And tonight, we are we are living out that dream because tonight the vibes are up. Restless has more than 250,000 downloads worldwide. So this is your podcast, Restless. I am your host, joined by Pastor Michael. We are a postmortem on the young restless and reform you can think of us as what late night uh what late night uh djs might have sounded like in geneva when they were spinning those greatest hits from the psalter so this is this is this is who we are and i am happy to be here with you pastor michael how are you doing tonight i'm doing well i know um you are always broadcasting from your bunker and tonight uh my background looks a little different (laughs) i like it almost looks goofy, right? Like the the contrast of colors uh, where I am in the lighting is pretty rough. So I'm in my kids' homeschool room right now, and so uh, there is, you know, this lovely—I don't know what do you call this color, uh, like sea foam green, uh, teal-ish. It's some mix in there. Um, so it's it's different. Anyway, it's a little bit different, but here I am. I'm excited, Matt. How crazy is it when we? first sat down to just talk about, Hey, we've got some friends that are having these conversations about the young restless and reform. Maybe we should do a podcast about this. And here we are, you know, that's pretty fun. It's just fun. I know we've gotten a little bit of flack for uh, maybe getting too big of heads uh, in what we're doing. Um, I don't think that's actually true, but uh, I mean, it's just, it does feel kind of crazy uh, to be at this point even if it's very insignificant in a certain way, 
right? 250,000 downloads. In one way, that's very insignificant. In another way, that's a big deal, um, at least for us, I think. So um, So congrats, man. That's right. It is. It does feel good. It's been really fun, right? Two guys from nowhere who knew no one online uh, to, to take to where we are. And obviously, people with actual notoriety get 250,000 downloads on a single episode that they post. So uh, li- uh, don't worry. Don't worry. You uh, don't need to worry about us getting too big of heads. Actually, both you and I got to hang out with people who listen and support the show in the last week. Shout out to Nick and the guys I've met up in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, no, so I was just I was just uh down in Memphis for the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America and uh, got to hang out with both Brad and Dean. Um, two guys that were connected with by, by, via the Patreon. Um, I didn't get to hang out with them as much as I wanted, but it was really fun when uh, we did get to um, have some time at least together. And it was just fun. What's fun about it is, you know, we've now had a lot of conversations online with these folks. So it's nice to actually put a, a real person behind just the text on a screen. Maybe, you know, maybe you've seen a picture of them, but to actually hang out and realize, man, these are just really great guys uh, it was it was a blast. It was really fun. I also, by the way, let me give one more um, shout out. I don't know if Micah will be listening to this from the Portland area, but uh, on my way to General Assembly, I, I go to fly out of the Minneapolis airport and I heard over my shoulder a couple of guys talking about uh, RPR and the RPR report, which if you're in the PCA, you know that RPR is the Review of Presbytery Records. And I knew nobody else is talking about this. <laughs> so so I know these guys are heading to General Assembly. So I turned around and I said, hey, are, are you guys by chance heading to General Assembly? And they said, yeah. And one of the guys looked at me and he said, hey, do you do a podcast? And I said, I do. And he said, I listen, I listen to the podcast. And he actually had one of our shirts from the Restless Store, uh, which you can go find right now, by the way. You can go over to therestlesspodcast.com and find a shirt but he had the ecclesiology matters shirt with him in his bag and i just happened to bump into him at the airport now again to deflate any possibility of you know big heads that means not much because i'm heading to the presbyterian church in america general assembly where there's going to be a like a larger chance that somebody there listens to this podcast (laughs) but it was still fun you know it was fun to meet somebody that way Pastor Michael, don't don't be too humble. You are out there IRL getting recognized by people uh, for the show wild. I <laughs> maybe someday I'll leave the bunker. I'll go to a place where where uh, people like that hang out. Um, I was asked in the live chat if I'm drinking anything tonight. And I think the only appropriate answer is claw is the law when you're celebrating 250,000 downloads. But I was actually inspired by both our Patreon chat and the conversation I had with these guys in Madison for how should we're, what should we do to celebrate 250,000 downloads? Well, we're going to do two things. Um, someone shared in our Patreon chat, which you can join, by the way. And as part of celebrating 250,000 downloads for the rest of the month of June, you can now join for a seven day free trial at both of our levels, our entry level and our purely Presbyterian level. 
And if you would like to join for the next week and attempt to listen to the hours and hours of additional episodes. I don't know, I don't know if you could get through it all. I could be I wrong, but uh, I don't think you could. But but for the rest of June, we are going to make seven-day free trials available to everybody. So that will be fun if you'd like to join. Um, but someone in the chat we have for our patrons shared this article by the Religion News Service, um, which is about that the YRR, the Young, Restless, and Reformed, our people, where we come from, our roots, are at a crossroads. Um. And so the, the reason I want to share this is and talk about what is the direction of things, what is what is the future of the YRR is I was talking to got to men, Michael, I would say they seemed about 10 years younger than me, right? 10 years younger than me. And they were talking about themselves like they were young, restless and reformed. Like they were having the same kind of experience coming to these ideas from similar sources and then having to figure out what to do um, and, and using that, that language. Um, now, obviously, you know, some of the names and the kinds of events were updated, right? They weren't, you know, right. They weren't uh, talking about uh, King's kaleidoscope and Mars Hill and all the things we talk about as much. But I just found it so interesting that I'm wondering if part of what we're looking at is a potential new cycling through of of the same kind of experience for people. And if it is even on a even on a fairly large, uh, large basis, because obviously people have always started, you know, heard R.C. Sproul on Christian radio, you know, and, and come to certain convictions. So. Um, religion news service thinks we're at a crossroads and we very well may be. And so I thought uh, it would be useful for us to talk about it. And we are going to end this segment before we just do 25 minutes of celebratory yay, nay, or nuance with me positing to Pastor Michael a few of the crossroads I think the young, restless, and reformed are going to have to face. And we will be playing a game of which way, new Calvinists. And so I will be positing a few directions things could go and pastor michael will be answering with what he actually thinks the direction will be not what he wishes it will be but what he actually uh -oh. thinks all right the will be um and so we're looking forward to it and so everyone who is in our live chat tonight can also give us their opinion on the uh the direction also they can play along with us for yay nay or nuance so we hope it'll be fun we hope it'll be a good time and um but let's go to the article. Let's take a look at the article that I mentioned. So the article is a little bit um, retrospective happening after Tim Keller passed away. Now, before um, we even get into it, Matt, should we say that there's one just massive um, oversight in the article that they leave out? They yes. never once, never once do they mention the largest podcast Currently, I believe about the young, restless, and reformed. Correct. I, I and, just, you know, it's hard to do a post mortem without the podcast that's been doing it for the last several years. the The longest running post mortem on the young, restless, and reformed, and the original rise and fall of the young, restless, and reformed show. Um, right. And so you you are right. It is a bit of an oversight given 
uh, we have 250,000 downloads. And unlike TGC and other more new Calvinist aligned things, I actually have no reason to believe anyone at Religious News Service uh, actually would ever listen to something we've said. <laughs> Though, shout out to our good friend, Brad Vermerlin, who is quoted um, uh, in the article. We are, we're one degree away. We are like, one degree. Brad's been on Restless. He's quoted in the article. We're one degree away. So, again, you know, journalists are always kind of looking for ways to frame a story. And they frame this with Tim Keller's death. Pastor Michael, in reality, other than giving it framing for a story, do you actually think that is a, um, like a, is that a real moment in the YRR um, movement? Is that a, is this, is uh, losing Pastor Keller um, and his gain into glory, is this really something that will change um, uh, the the YRR movement as we know it? Um, that's a good question. In a certain way, of course, uh, because he was such a figurehead, but when you think about um, Keller's interaction with the Gospel Coalition, the other, you know, kind of elements of the YRR, um, he's kind of pulled back from a lot of that stuff over the last uh, number of years where he hasn't been as present as he maybe was early on. And so that seems to me to say he was less, he was much more hands-off toward the end mm. and um, less involved. And noticeably, even in this article, they barely talk about Keller at all. It's I mean, true. They, they mention him a tiny bit at the beginning, basically, and that's it, right? Yes. I I think, if anything, uh, I think what we would say is Tim Keller passing, based on how the author discusses Tim Keller and others in The Young, Restless, and Reformed is... The young, restless, and reformed has just lost the one leader I liked. Basically, is what it kind of feels like that, that <laughs> they're on a cross. It, it totally is. They, oh, they, it totally is. It it is one hundred percent. We all saw one redeeming thing in this whole movement, and he is now gone. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in that in that way, they are uh, they are at a crossroads. Can they produce another? another single person that i like <laughs> is kind of the question it's kind of the vibes i got from the article even though it's asking a good question because um how do i know it's a good question well i've been running a podcast asking that question for three years so <laughs> that's that's why i think it's a good we question. really hope it's a good question <laughs> um and at least as i play the host of this podcast i will continue to uh continue to sh to continue to say so so what is um interesting is again they talk about the young restless and reformed and this is something we have said many times i'm going to read it um especially in case we have um any newer listeners which we always do um and it talks about a guy who has joined the ranks of the young restless and reformed a renewal movement born in the early 2000s fueled by scores of his evangelical Christian peers who had grown up with largely theology-free, self-helpy sermons and fundamentalist shibboleths of evangelical churches. Instead, these young Christians drank deeply of a theology named for a 16th century French 
Protestant John Calvin that was brought to America by the Puritans. And again, I think that uh, this does this does just set the table for what we were all looking for when we uh, when we got there. Right. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. There was there was just this this sense that there was so much more um, a sense of almost like, a, you know, you felt like you were starving and you didn't even realize it necessarily. But the moment that this was put in front of you, the the feeling was one of finally um, getting to like really dig in. And we maybe have come to see that as just the beginning now, um, just a little bit of a, of a taste. Uh, but that is almost to make the point even more strongly that we were looking for something uh, with substance. Right. And uh, New Calvinism was able to at least bring us some of that. Yes. Yeah. And I actually like um, kind of uh, the next thing they describe it as. This reformed renewal became a powerful lifestyle brand that united Christians across denominations and generations. Yeah. And again, I think that is this is what these are the two things you and I are often working out on this podcast. We are in many ways discarding the lifestyle brand, but wanting to keep the theology named after a French Protestant brought to America by the Puritans. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to put it that way. It is, you know, when you think about um, while I was in Memphis, uh, interesting place to do this, but at, uh, you know, at this general assembly of this Presbyterian church in America, I had a conversation with a couple other guys about uh, some of the emo, screamo, punk music we used to listen to. Mm. And it was a blast. You would have loved this conversation, Matt. You, you would have had a blast with this. It was such an enjoyable, nostalgic conversation, and a part of it was we were at we were at in the basement of this bar in Memphis that was playing all of this music, and so we would you know a new song would come on, and we were just it, it was just it was really fun to kind of reminisce together. Uh, but thinking about that, you know, you think about uh, some of the the bands that you followed, and you know how people would you'd buy the T-shirts, you'd go to Warp Tour. You would you would dress in a certain way um, that you know showed that you you had some kind of connection to this scene. You would listen all the time to the music that was being put out, and then you think about the young restless and reformed. What did you do? What made you a part of it? Well, you went to conferences, right? You went to these conferences where you met up with other people. You'd buy the T-shirts uh, that say, you know, Jonathan Edwards is my homeboy. You would get the books that were published by particular people, even if you didn't read them, it was at least a, you know, it was something that you could get. It was just part of being, you know, being one of these folks. Um, and so in that way, it really did uh, take on this kind of lifestyle brand. Right. And then of course you got to drink alcohol. You got to do the, <laughs> you got to, you got to watch the movies you weren't allowed to watch. You got to listen to bands that were screamo, but said, we're actually, we're reformed Christians. Like we, we list, you know, like the, the, there was this, it, it made in, even in many ways, how Calvinism, which is really about the doctrine of God saving sinners, um, really got to be presented with an edge. I have this, 
I have this t-shirt I still wear. It is like, it is the nicest um, material. And this thing may never wear out. Um, shout out to whoever runs Missional Wear, who must have been a huge YRR guy. Missional Wear, we'd love to love to have you on the show um, and and love to get a number of your your items for free. <laughs> um, but I got this shirt. And it says post Tenenbrock's Lux, right? It's a black t-shirt, right? The, the you know, there's one of these sayings of the Reformation after darkness light. And it is a skeleton holding a lantern, right? It it looks like like some kind of a hardcore band. And it is <laughs> it, and it was for the Reformation. And I have it. <laughs> and I have it. I should wear it on one of these times we go live. But yeah, and so there were all these things that came together because again there were always reformed christians in the country right there that's been a you know there's never been none of them right Right. even had um and even as we've talked to brad we've even it's even contested how truly numerically significant it was um even though it felt that way and i think a large part of it is this it was to bringing together this lifestyle brand so when you did have a friend as michael and i were you recognized you always were able to recognize another person involved with it because of what they were listening to or the way they were acting in the cage stage the people they were harassing during it right the the, the <laughs> unfortunately book. for matt and i by the way i've said this before on the podcast i think but we we would only talk you know we grew up around each other um, and so we knew each other but we would talk like once a year or once every two years or just like Facebook chat a little bit or something like that. Um, and every time we did, it was like, we're reading all the same books. We're listening to all the same sermons. We are, it was just kind of falling down that same path, even though it was completely separated from each other in the day-to-day life. Right. So then the article comes and let me make it bigger in case a person is watching along with us and they can then uh, see what we're talking about. Um, They then list a murderer's row of bad endings to pastors in the young, restless and reform. They bring up Mark Driscoll, who we have, of course, talked about at length. Tulian Trevigian, who we we have not really talked about. Um, Maybe someday we will. CJ Mahaney. Also, we haven't talked about a ton, a little bit. And James McDonald, our favorite superhero villain, uh, Megatron Master. Yeah, what a <laughs> um, what a and, guy, huh? <laughs> and they don't even they don't even have everybody, right? I mean, oh. you know, you could put Deer and Patrick in there. You could put I don't I you know there were others as well that um, while reading through, I remember thinking, oh, they didn't even inc- include some of these others. And so they take these, and then of course you know, they talk about the blow, um, and all of the things about Tim Keller, Tim Keller, uh, you know, his intellectual purity, personal kindness, right? He's, you know, um, and so I do think (laughs) this article then does ask one of the questions, um, that I may be coming back to pastor Michael with later. So he can start thinking about it now. Right. They say, while the movement remains influential, the controversies and losses raise questions about its future. Now that's a really unclear st- sentence, but what they're talking about is the loss of these leaders, either obviously Tim Keller going to be with the Lord or all these, um, these men being disgraced in some form, even though I would like to say that, uh, three 
out of the four, I don't know about CJ Mahaney. Three of the four of them are currently serving in a ministry role somewhere. Mark Driscoll, even James McDonald is still in one. Is he uh, for sure still doing it? I know he was. I don't know if he's, I guess I don't know. Just the last time we checked in, he was still trying. He was, he was the last time we checked in. Man, what a mess. But the question it does raise, and this is one we've raised, is there is, it does seem right now, there is a grasping, a seeking of a place of where to consolidate leadership and power in what is left of the young, restless, and reformed. I Do you think that question and that those positions are in some way still up for grabs? So repeat that question for me. Uh-huh. So right, they're saying... The thing that makes the young, restless, and reformed the questioning its future is the loss of these yep. leaders, right? And so what I'm extrapolating from that would mean is what is up for grabs are these positions of leadership that were mm-hmm. at one point clearly held by people at the Gospel Coalition, by people like Mark Driscoll, yep. um, and that and that probably some of the stress inside of New Calvinism right now is because there is a question of who will be who will be new leaders and what's left of the young restless and reformed yeah yeah interesting i'm so i'm trying to in my mind uh kind of weigh the different sides i do think that there is an element of this when the old guard passes on for whatever reason whether good or ill there is always going to be a kind of a you know, shall we say a power vacuum, Yeah. Right? the influence they had, even if it's not going to be an exact thing, right? You're not going to get another Tim Keller. You're not going to get another RC Sproul. Um, they were their own men. They had their own, um, you know, kind of influence and style and audience. And you probably won't have somebody just like that, that will take over right where they left off. But it does leave some of those, you know, some influence up for grabs, uh, for sure. But part of me is thinking if we really see this as primarily a lifestyle brand, then the reason that some of these things are changing is not actually because the moving on or dying off of the old guard. It's actually more so that the, the style has changed. The, mm-hmm. like the culture has changed. Uh, you know, it's, it's like when somebody spends, you know, uh, a lot of time following one particular band, uh, but as that band gets older, as you get older, you start to, I mean, you start to, maybe you still have a kind of nostalgia for them. So you can, you know, be in the basement of a bar in Memphis and hear a song and chat about it with some friends, but it's not driving a lot of what you do. Right. You're not going out of your way to get to warp tour. You're not buying the merchandise anymore. You're you move on, right? So styles change, lifestyle brands kind of change, and they move uh, with the culture around you. And whether you like it or not, you're probably a part of that. And so I wonder if some of what's happening is is much more that the culture itself has changed. The culture that um, really the YRR you know, kind of exploded into is distinctly different now, although there are some similarities. And I do think that, uh, you know, maybe there will be some kind of repeating of what's going on, but it, it's different. And so I don't know. I What do you think? I don't know 
how much weight to put on either of those. I do. I do actually really like this idea that um, that the with the styles changing, right? This this leads right. Everyone wants to know what's going to be in style, like what will be in style after winsomeness is not in style. What will be in style um, after Mark Driscoll uh, won't be in style? Uh, for or someone like Mark Driscoll's asking himself, "Can I reinvent myself um, and get a role on Blaze TV um, or The Daily Wire?" Right? Like these are these are those are stylistic questions, and and the sad thing about it is is that, but the truth is 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 whether it's a a style brand or all these kinds of things. Actually, why does everyone like? Why does no matter what your quote unquote, let's say why our style is everyone loved RC Sproul, right? Like everyone had a regard for Tim Keller, even this author of this article who doesn't like anybody else. Right. But not everyone's like sold on JD Greer as the next, you know, right. The next leader, because the, the truth is if you want to end up being in style, substance wins, um, substance does win. And so it, it does it does actually probably map a place that if you are willing to be a person, again, it won't be in the same way. You're not going to be able to redo what renewing your mind did. You're not going to be able to redo what they did on terrestrial radio. If you're willing to express these doctrines in a substantive way to lots of people and do it over and over, that probably is a, a path forward. Yeah. Um, this is so, you know, you think about, uh, I was thinking about this the other day because I, I somehow came across a picture online of these three young men at Ozfest, right? Where they were listening to all kinds of, you know, just kind of dark metal bands. And uh, I don't know, this was from maybe, I don't, I don't actually know when this picture was taken, maybe the early 2000s, something like that. I don't know when Ozfest goes on, has gone on. It looked like an older picture, right? And the people in this photo, these three young men look goofy. Right. They've got these just like super baggy parachute type pant jeans and, you know, big chains. And, you know, one of the kids has the really just like spiked hair all over the place. And it just looks goofy. It looks silly. But when you look at photos um, from the last hundred years or even more of, say, a man in a suit, um, the suit hasn't I mean, the suit hasn't drastically changed a little bit here and there. But generally speaking, you look at it and it looks somewhat familiar um, and it doesn't, I mean, it just hasn't changed that much. And so it's interesting to me that, and obviously over the course of history, that changes some, but, uh, but in the course of just the way that styles change in it, you know, over the course of a century or so, uh, you have certain things that stay relatively the same. And because of that, you look back and you don't think, oh man, that looks so cheesy. It just, it looks pretty normal. It looks, it looks pretty um, straightforward. I wonder if that's a good analogy for what it's like when you just preach the truth in season and out of season and you just teach um, what really are these basic doctrines of the faith all the time in, in different ways, maybe in different formats, uh, maybe two different audiences. But what you get over time is probably the cumulative effect of, of looking back and saying, okay, that wasn't lame. Right. We look back at some of the stuff that, you know, the the YRR has done and we'll look back now and we're like, oh, that was lame. 
but like you're saying, a lot of that was, those were the style things. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the substance. And when you look back at the substance, we're still thinking, wow, that's actually really good. That's actually really profound. And speaking of substance, I want to, I want to shout out two things they talk about with, um, with how it was put forward through publishing, right? Again, this is the thing that made the YRR different than most of the other youth movements we knew about. The other youth movements tried to get us in with the best music, all the, you know, the coolest things, um, you know, charismatic experiences, extreme sports. I mean, you name it. And it, it was done in the evangelical church while we were growing up. But what, but again, even Driscoll said, I'm going to preach for an hour. Right. Even Driscoll was saying that J Mac. Right. I'm going to preach for an hour. You know, all of these. Uh, this is this is what they were they were bringing in. Now, there are two things I find very interesting about this. And by the way, we will not be reading the quote from Kristen Dumez. Uh, <laughs> that might be a lifetime embargo. Um, but let's just yay nay or nuance. This is the right way to characterize the gospel coalition. Pastor Michael. So they're talking about the, the influence of publishing. The internet allowed web-based apologists, such as the Gospel Coalition, whose site draws 10 million viewers a year in the U.S. alone, to issue a constant stream of arguments. Pastor Michael, I just found that fascinating. Do you think the Gospel Coalition is best characterized as um, like a, a some form of apologetics? Yeah. Um, no, I, although they published some of that, but I guess if you, if you take it as this attempt by Keller and Carson to claim the center mm. of evangelicalism in that sense, maybe it is a kind of apologetic to Christians, right? It's, it's a kind of apologetic for a particular brand of Christianity. And so maybe in that way, I've never thought of it in those terms. For sure. I know I am neither, but that's really that that is fascinating to think and, about. And again, I think it 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 might only make sense that way if you are a complete outsider to this, you're a more mainline Christian or whatever writing for the religion news service. And every time you go to the gospel coalition, it's like the way you should think about this five things to right. Like you see this yep. and you're like, man, they just they want me to think something. And I just think uh that might be a helpful thing for us to think of coalition is everything they do is an argument for something. Now, here's the other thing I found fascinating um, about um, what they described in particular with the publishing. So they talk about how they think in large part the movement was able to exist because in 2001, Crossway published the English Standard Version. Very um, they interesting. Highlight, they highlight the translation using mankind and men to denote human beings, which favor a complementarian reading of scripture, right? You know, the, the Crossway did this when, you know, the NIV goes to gender neutral language. And this is what I found fascinating. They see it as this historian described it in, in resemblance to dispensationalism. And we're not going to describe, you know, all of what that is, but you, you know, um, dispensationalism, because it had its own Bible, it was spread through radio broadcasts um, and low cost publishing. Hmm. And that rapture theology became this like test of, are you in or are you out yeah. for so many people? 
And now Calvinism comes along and adds adds to it or replaces it for many people with soteriology of God move first, God acts, man is passive in salvation, becomes the new standard. Then we publish the ESV study Bible, which I don't know. I think it's probably the, I mean, at least in our circles for sure right? This is the most used study Bible, mm-hmm. and it's going to give at least broadly uh, Calvinist-friendly answers, right? Yeah. What do you think about this idea of the fact that we all suddenly switch translations? Yeah, this was the most interesting piece of this whole article to me, because yeah. I've, for a long time, I've, I've, you know, thought about the effect of the Schofield Reference Bible on the growth of dispensationalism. And it's just been a, an interesting topic. Not that I'm, you know, an expert in any way, not that I've, I've done, you know, too much reading on it, but it's just something that I've always thought about um, the way that various translations spur on particular movements within the church. And for whatever reason, I've just never thought about the effect of the ESV in this circle, which is crazy because we have a whole podcast about this <laughs> and I don't think we've ever talked about the ESV particularly. Um, and part of it is it's just such a big topic um, to try to deal with, but uh, it is, I mean, the ESV is what I most use still um, despite knowing that there are places where it maybe isn't uh, the best translation in the world, but I, it's still uh, the one I use most uh, on a, you know, the regular basis It's what I preach from. Um, and it is probably the most typical one that people around me and in my circles use. So yeah, really interesting. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much, you know, like what comes first in this case, what is the chicken? What is the egg? Um, I'm not positive, but definitely they grow together. And probably in a lot of ways it does. The ESV study bell does spur things on. I remember at various times speaking with people, um, who would, you know, want something to go a little bit deeper than just, you know, bare reading of scripture. And I would recommend to them something like the ESV study Bible. And so I could see that being something that did kind of start moving people in this particular direction. Yeah. Now, this fall, we are going to do some of the origin stories of New Calvinism. We're going to go through some of these kind of seminal things. We're going to go through the origin story of TGC. And man, I have wanted to do the ESV study Bible. Again, it is such a big topic. I just don't know how. So if someone has a recommendation of a guest who has actually looked into this or is pretty familiar with with the translation philosophy we would love to interview that person. Um, so, but these are these are things you can look forward to. So let's uh, let's keep going because man, am I looking forward to twenty five minutes of yay nay or nuance? I think we probably have to play the song "Pump It Up." Am I right about that? While we uh, while <laughs> for twenty five minutes, as long as it's quiet. Um, but sometimes when you play the song on here, I don't know why, but sometimes um, it doesn't come across on the video. But I can't really hear you when you have music playing i don't know why that is or mm. well, we'll maybe we'll maybe be able to get it to work uh but i've noticed that in the past so if we can get okay. it to work we probably do need to have it playing we'll we'll see what happens so if we don't um 
if you are listening on the podcast, you may get the joy of me just editing that in. That is how I want to listen to this. So shout out to Brad Vermerlin. We're not going to read his quote, but I want to read these these two final critiques um, before we move on. Um, is they talk about that there wasn't real mentorship of up and coming people. As Reynolds says, there was a way in which if someone said uh, said they were called looked good in skinny jeans and could quote someone who was dead and pop culture, then you could become a leader. Now they say that this isn't mentorship and obviously in a, in, in a very real sense, this isn't, but these are people learning to play the game and going, mm. Oh wow, this is what it takes to be a leader. Here I yep. go. Right. And, and, and it is shallow and it is not, um, it is not substantive. But I think it is fascinating that, again, for all of us, because we're interacting these things online through conferences, it's like, can I present some of these ideas in a way to my friends, right, that comes across this way? Or if I was older, a church planner, can I learn to talk this way? And mm -hmm. this is what the level of mentorship was happening. And that makes sense if we're calling this a lifestyle brand, mm. right? Yeah, so you don't have, it's interesting even thinking about that power vacuum or influence vacuum or whatever you want to call it um, as some of these men move on that, yeah, they were not actually discipling those under them. Now, at the same time, of course, sometimes these, you will always have, you know, when you have a, you know, a John Piper, Yep. it doesn't matter how much he disciples the next guy. Right chances are that next guy is not going to have the same kind of influence that he does. Maybe that's not true um, in every case, but generally speaking, that is the case for whatever reason. There are some men that are just, I mean, they are particularly um, gifted and um, they will draw following that it is there for them. Um, that, you know, that may not be what we think is ideal, but it is just the case. And so, um, it's still interesting, though, to think about um, how much, yeah, how much there uh, an explicit discipleship of those that would come up after, and that's something to remember for us too. Um, if if you're in any kind of leadership role, ministry role, um, something I've tried to do uh, even now uh, is start thinking about and praying about, hey, how do I, how do I raise up the kinds of men that are just ready to take over when I'm gone in whatever sphere, you know, I am, I am a part of, mm -hmm. um, is there a way to already be doing that, um, or to be, you know, looking for the kind of person that would do better than me. Um, and I could hand things off to even sooner. Uh, and so I, I don't know if I don't, I don't know that I do that well, <laughs> but, um, I do think that, uh, seeing how little of that is done in these circles is probably a good reason for us to, uh, push into it a little bit more. Now, the final kind of critique they give as they think about what's coming next is they say one of the problems was that this movement wasn't Calvinist enough, at which point I went, hey, that's kind of what we've been saying. And then and, they said, oh. and no <laughs> sentence, which made me feel like I was talking about a different uh, meaning of Calvinism. So here we go. Anderson says she regrets the movement wasn't Calvinist enough. She believed the movement mainly focused on salvation, 
but missed a broader emphasis on common grace in the goodness of God's creation. Those ideas that God is at work everywhere and not just among the elect few matter. For some leaders, she said, the lack of balance led to a certainty of belief that lacked kindness towards anyone who disagreed. Um, I don't know if you would like real Calvinism if it if it caught you. <laughs> um, so what's actually being talked about is uh, actually neo Calvinism. Uh, Right. Um, that is, you know, represented by Calvin Seminary and others. And um, I mean, you see, you see the fruit of that in many of the people they're quoting, right? You see it in Dumez and others. Um, their understanding of Calvinism is a completely different thing than we would ever recognize. <laughs> Uh, there is, a, I mean, there's a good, obviously, in understanding common grace and and the the goodness uh, of God in creation. And I do think that sometimes within uh, New Calvinism, there was, and this isn't just New Calvinism. I think this is true of basically most uh, Reformed thought since uh, the turn of the 20th century. Uh, but in a really, you know, uh, you know, I I think an overreaction in some ways to um, a lot of the progressivism and um, earthly post-millennialism uh, in the early 20th century, there was a, a firm insistence on total depravity by um, the stalwarts, by the, you know, the godly men who were, you know, standing up against uh, what was uh, an anti-Christ movement within the church in a lot of ways. And I think that that's become then something where, okay, now every doctrine is read through this one, right? Everything is seen through this one. Um, and so there could be a healthy corrective. That's not what they're talking about. <laughs> they, they don't mean that. They're not. They're not talking on that level. And uh, if you know, if you and I were to say, and we have said, "Hey, it wasn't Calvinist enough. It wasn't Reformed enough." We're then going to say, "Should have pushed deeper into covenant theology." That's right. Right. Should have pushed deeper into uh, the regulatory principle of worship. That's you know, right. you you should have pushed deeper into some of these things rather than. Uh, rather than just stopping at a very base level understanding of soteriology, uh, we don't, we're not, we're not on the same team. Is <laughs> what I'm saying. Should have done a study of providence and gotten to the part in the institutes where you went, whoa, free will, right? Like, right. you know, you learned these things beyond. But yeah, no, um, I think this is a great show idea. Neo, why new Calvinism isn't neo Calvinism? Because I do think that is a certain move there are people trying to say. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Very interesting. And I think it would just be helpful for people to see because those are both two influences and they're not the same really at all running congruently together. Um, but the, the, the article ends with someone joining the Presbyterian Church in America, even though they no longer feel like they're part of the young, restless, and reformed, which is all right. But this draws us to a segment I have been very excited for, Pastor Michael. Which way, YRR man, which way? And so, Pastor Michael, are you ready to be faced with some of the crossroads I think um, we might be facing here uh, for the young, restless, and reformed? Yes, I'm ready. And so I'm supposed to answer what I think will actually happen, not yes. what I desire to happen. Yes. And so this does have a visual element, but because, again... We are an audio show first. 
I will be explaining uh, what each of these images mean. But so if Pastor Michael reacts before uh, uh, before I say anything, it's because he's seeing something that's bringing him mirth and joy. So here we go. So here's number one. Which way, YR man? Uh, the 50th Presbyterian uh, General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America made a comment about how there are two denominations growing in the United States. Yes. One is the Presbyterian Church in America, which they were celebrating, understandably, and we celebrate with them too, of course. And the second one is the Assemblies of God. Uh, the Assemblies of God, the, you know, we might call the evangelical, mainstream-leaning kind of Pentecostal denomination, right? Is that their actual logo, by the way? It, uh, it is. It's at least one of them. Gotta uh, update that thing. Gotta update that logo. <laughs> the thing I love the most about the logo is that it in the Bible it says all the gospel, which definitely gives me all the heebie-jeebies when I read uh, read that coming from a from a charismatic leaning. But Pastor Michael, the question is, which way, which way? will the YRR break? Now we know the YRR brought together charismatic elements. Yep. Brought together confessional reformed elements of confessional reform theology. Which yeah. way do you see these things breaking? Um, that's wow. Uh, this is a tough one for me to answer. So I know both, you know, both of us as well as many others in the PCA right now who just followed that track um, of kind of broad evangelicalism or maybe nothing um, into the YRR into confessional Presbyterianism. And that's, it is a very distinct pipeline that has been at work and seems to continue to be at work in various ways right now. I am not as aware of that into the assemblies of God. However, we do have, um, you know, our, uh, favorite AI, Charlie Self, who happens to be uh, evidently part of the Assemblies of God, and he's writing regularly for the Gospel Coalition. We, we obviously, I think you can see that the vast majority of YRR churches would be more comfortable, I think, in the Assemblies of God than in the PCA. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the emphases, uh, because of the the style, um, especially those those you know those that have that that uh, lifestyle brand of the YRR as opposed to just the doctrine. I mean that I it seems to me that would be much more at home in the assemblies of God. So I guess if I had to decide, my assumption would be that the YRR will be moving much more in the direction of the assemblies of God. But I would put the caveat that I hope I'm wrong. And I hope more of us are coming into the PCA. It will be, I, and I don't know enough again about the inner culture of the AOG. It, they would have to become comfortable with Calvinistic soteriology. Yeah. Are they? I don't know. It's a great question because the, Hey, you if know, you are assemblies of God, let us know. Um, or if you know, folks there, is that, I mean, is, is, is that Calvinism why, acceptable? I'm not sure. Is why, or is that why sovereign grace exists? Because yeah. they, they are charismatic, and but they couldn't do it within 
uh, could they not do the Calvinism within the AOG? I don't know. But yep. Pastor Michael, am I allowed to ask you a bonus question to these? Let's do it. All right. Here's your bonus question on this topic. Um, the uh, the the question is then, what would either of these things mean for the if if you're thinking of of the YRR breaking towards the AOG? Would that have an effect on evangelicalism at large? Um, it would, uh, because I think that the YRR has basically shaped much of the evangelical conversation I agree. for the last, you know, decade. Um, in in the way that we've talked about, it's normal now for a church to at least claim that they do some kind of expositional preaching. Yeah, I don't think that that was normal, you know, two decades ago within the broad evangelical world. I don't think that it was something that you would have talked about. Um, it is, it is far more normal now. I think to consider yourself reformed, and you would use that language. You, we, you know, we may differ on what exactly that means, but at least being more Calvinistic, um, it's it is much more normative. I would say now to consider yourself complementarian even if that literally means nothing <laughs> because, because, well, we can still have women preaching as long as it's done under the authority of elders. And, you know, so even if it doesn't really mean anything, it's normal for people to at least claim that, that yes. title for themselves. Yeah. And so in, in that way, it has really played a major role in shaping the evangelical conversation. I don't, part of this is my ignorance of the assemblies of God. I know some folks there, I, you know, I I'm somewhat aware of them, but I really don't know enough to know if that would be a move simply just back toward a lot more typical evangelicalism with maybe a heavier handed charismatic side. I don't know. Yeah. The, re the, re the reason I don't know the answer to this question is because I feel like evangelicalism at large has basically accepted all of the charismatic presuppositions. So yes, I don't know totally unless they all start becoming practicing Pentecostals. I don't know that it, it could have much more influence than it already has. All That's right. That's interesting. Yep. So that brings us to number two, which way YRR man are, are we, are our future leaders going in the direction of Colin Hansen, uh, the, at the helm of the gospel coalition, Tim Keller's biographer, uh, the original, guy who wrote the book coining the term young restless and reformed or the man the myth the legend the monster pastor mark driscoll michael which which mold is the is the is the yrr going to it fall towards so this is purely experiential okay but it seems far more common for young men who we would consider somewhat YRR right now. It seems far more common in my experience for them to uh, actually be listening again to Mark Driscoll. A lot of them not having grown up listening to him like we did, right? A lot of them not having been around during his downfall. Uh, but, but a lot of guys seem to be gravitating toward Driscoll once again. Mm. And it seems to me that the Colin Hansen brand is much more 
um, of those who have been around already. Like they've been around for a while. They're not, uh, they are not the young anymore. Maybe we could say they, they're still in these circles, but they're not, they, they've kind of, uh, mellowed out a little bit. And so I don't, I don't know this for sure, but I, my my gut is telling me that there's a move again toward Driscoll, which I don't like, by the way. I don't think that that's healthy or good, but I do think that that is, I think he's tapping into some things again, um, some different, but some of the similar things that uh, he was tapping into when we found him. So you're saying the young men you know aren't listening to Colin Hansen's gospel bound podcast. Right. We, right. We, oh, I, I've never, I've actually never, I've never met somebody that I know of who's listening to that podcast. I I've, I'm hearing more and more of particularly young men who are beginning to listen to Driscoll again. Well, um, shout out to you, Colin Hansen and gospel bound pastor Michael. Here's the question though. Um, here's our bonus question for this category. Pastor Michael, is there a third way? Is there another kind of leader that another mold of leader we could uh, uh, we could we could get behind? Bring, give us the third way. Be wow, one I, of the one of the good leaders like Tim Keller who present us the third way. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and actually, in the chat earlier, somebody mentioned uh, when we were talking about this power vacuum and those that may um, gain some of this influence, somebody mentioned Kevin DeYoung. And mm-hmm. though I don't think DeYoung will end up having the same kind of, of you know, maybe um, broad influence as someone like Tim Keller or even maybe like a John Piper, um, I do think that he will take on a lot of the influence. And I think it's really healthy. I think that mm-hmm. uh, I think that Kevin DeYoung is a solid guy, right? Ride or die with KDY. Um, That's right. I think that he's in a good place. And so he he may be one model for what this could look like. Um, I, and, you know, my, my real hope, and I think both of our hope, is probably that uh, people begin to really gravitate much more around the ministry of the local church mm. um, or of, you know, something that is closer to home. Some, somebody who is actually able to provide oversight, accountability, um, actual shepherding to you. Um, so that's my real hope. I, d- I don't know um, if that will happen or not. So I guess that I won't ask the question is uh, does that, uh, does that mean you hear young guys talking about the podcast or blog, the clearly reformed, with Kevin DeYoung. Uh, <laughs> Young, we love you. We'd literally love to have you on this particular podcast. I can show my RTS diploma if that would help us get you on sometime. All right, Pastor Michael, since we've been talking about lifestyle, brand, and culture, let's bring up a cultural topic now. Which way, YRR, man? The case for Christian nationalism. So Christian nationalism or christian libertarianism so pastor michael i am bringing up these kinds of attitudes towards political engagement yeah and 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 let me actually and it's not just because we've had guests present both um this isn't completely self-serving but part of it actually comes from my own experience that when i was young so that again when i when 10 years ago 
when I was like full in to the YR. Maybe it's been a little bit longer than that. I hope not. Um, I hope I'm not that quite that old yet. Um, the the talk of the town was libertarianism, finding like libertarianism, and it feels like in online settings. The talk is now around what is Christian nationalism? Are we Christian nationalists? Uh, what should we do? So this is why I'm asking, um, which of these, which way of these, which way is the YRR going to fall? Are they going to fall with the Christian nationalists, um, whoever they are, or the uh, Christian libertarians, whoever they are? And obviously I'm using Christian libertarians specifically because obviously we know there are some pretty dumb forms of libertarianism um, yep. and, 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 and whatnot. So, yeah, the right now, it seems like there is a just a huge groundswell of movement toward some kind of Christian nationalism, right? Not necessarily um, what Stephen Wolf presents um, only, but the general feel seems to be this desire for a more, um, kind of self-willed Christian influence in the political arena. I don't know what that means long term, but right now that's the that's the feel on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. This is both as I think about you know things online, but also just in I mean just on the ground with just regular people. I think that there is a move in that direction, at least a you know again not not maybe the exact program that Wolf lays out, but but uh, a move in that direction away from a more libertarian approach. Now here's my bonus questions. Will either of these, whatever way uh, the YR would fall in large part, will either of these actually have an impact on American politics and culture beyond the Twitter spats in reform Landia? Wow. Um, I have no idea. I really don't even know how to answer this because I, I feel like I have no, no clue whether this will actually change anything. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. All right. And I don't know now, Pastor Michael, this last one is a bit self-serving. So this one is actually which way restless. And so the question is what, what will Restless's tone be going forward? Will it be the the Restless tone people know? And I would love to say love, but uh, actually regularly write in to tell us is, is off the mark about. Um, though, again, no one in my real life has ever brought this to me. Or the other side, nuance. Which... Um, and you can answer this in how, yeah, why don't, why don't you answer this in what you think will happen? And then I may, uh, I may, uh, as I promised to some, uh, to, I promise to discuss tone again before we got out of here, <laughs> which, which way do you think we're headed? Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I have to just pick with where we've been, right? I mean, we, I just can't imagine us changing that much. Uh, moving forward. I imagine that we will stay about the same. You know, I know that for some people, it's usually, by the way, having to do with particular items we discuss. It's not usually the general tone of our show. It's usually, hey, you said this thing about, you know, my favorite uh, pastor or, 
you said this thing about this book I really like or this TV show. Uh, that tends to be when we get any comments about uh, the way things are. But here's the deal. I, you know, we had, um, since this is a 250K show, uh, we, you know, we can talk about maybe some of the reviews or, or um, some of the stuff we've gotten in from listeners. One of the things that we got uh, at one point recently, it was after we did our atheist show, we had somebody write in and I won't mention who they are because they said they didn't want to be named on the show. Uh, but uh, this uh, was a woman who said that she is an atheist and she listens to the show. She started listening uh, when we started to do the rise and fall of Mars Hill stuff and has found it really fascinating and interesting. and liked the show. And if you remember, our show about atheism was called uh, Atheism is Cringe. <laughs> I believe. I believe. We I believe atheism is cringe, which it, it is. is. I mean, we still it is. And we still stand by that. Uh, but this woman had a just it was just a really like nice email. Um, I, I hope that she's not far from the kingdom based on reading this email. I don't know, but um, that's my prayer. And I told her we'd pray for her um, and her salvation. But she uh, titled her, you know, she put under her name at the end. She included the the uh, the adjective cringy, yeah. <laughs> which I just found so great. It was just really it was one of those things where you you think, OK, I know that there are people that listen to this. And if we use the word cringe to talk about you know, what they see is their belief system. They're like, they're just, they're unhappy. They're mad. And they would think, Hey, you've not been kind enough. You've not been, you know, sweet enough. And here's somebody that hears that and like had a really good attitude about it. If you know Matt or I in person, I think that you would find that we, you know, I, we're, we're not, we don't say the things we say if we ever say them in a harsh way. I mean, and we may be wrong. Sometimes we may really, right. um, the, the chances of us crossing the line sometimes is basically 100% when we're talking this much, it's usually late. It's to just you and me, you know, as far as we can tell. And so the chances of us crossing the line is pretty high and we should, we want to be willing and able to repent, uh, when we need to repent. Um, what I'll say, though, uh, alongside of that is that we're not we're not intending when we you know use strong language or when we're having fun, when we're when we're making fun of something, we're not doing that in such a way um, just to belittle, um, just to attack. Uh, but it it really is, um, you know, it I mean, it's for different reasons, but it really is because we're just having fun. And right. if you met in real life and you made the same kinds of you know, jokes about us. If you, if you laughed at us in certain ways, if you make fun of this podcast that we do, uh, and how we're live streaming to like four people, <laughs> I think we would laugh. Uh, okay. We I don't think that we're going to, uh, you know, be, be hurt by that. And so just realize that's the context where it's coming from. We're not trying to attack anybody. We're not trying to hurt anyone. Uh, we, we seriously just want people to know the truth more. And this is one of those ways that we have found to be able to do that. Right. I do think, um, I, I, again, this, this comes up. We do love, I, I do hope everyone can have as, um, has thick of skin and as good a sense of humor as our, our atheist friend did. Um, I hope you do. I hope you do. And that doesn't mean everything we say is right on or spot on, or we always handle things the way we should. But again, remember, you are listening to Reformed Drive Time Radio. That is what we're going for here. If you listen to Pastor Michael preach, it doesn't 
sound like this. There are, we do agree with you. There are appropriate tones at various times. However, again, I'm going to say this, and I've probably said this basically every time you've ever done a feedback show. What I do defend is the idea that we get to use every tone used in the scripture, which does indeed include mockery, rebuke, humor, laughter, lament, joy, mirth, right? Like all of these things are included. And I also think while there is a sinful um, way to use tone, right? I think that we could, we probably have talked about times where potentially Driscoll crossed that line. Um, there are also times we, we still enjoyed the tone he struck because what I think is we live in a time where, and I've said this before, probably too, we do need 10% more of Luther's energy. We just need just a little more willingness to speak directly, to call things out as we see them. Mm. Right. Um, and and but what I realized as I was thinking about this is I so I did I do get it though Pastor Michael we have said we are talking to people that were in the YRR and kind of now don't know what to do we aren't talking to people in general though some we're thankful for who have kind of thought through all the things we've thought through or talked about as we've talked about this for three years and if you've never heard a criticism of Big Eva I actually can really sympathize why when I'm willing to laugh out loud, that might be really jarring to you because you've never, you've never even heard someone voice. I don't know about that. I don't know about that from one of these, one of these big names. Right. And, and I do think that that is, um, that is striking. Um, I do I do think as I as I continue to think about this, the one thing I wouldn't want, and this is where I think about this, and this is why it's good to do this on the 250K show. The one thing I wouldn't want is a listener to not share this show with someone that it might be helpful with because of our tone. Like if that is always happening, that would be a bummer. Also, at some point, and I don't know what, what point that is, and I don't know what I would do if I got to that point, when you are speaking to so many people, for the sake of being clearly reformed, good guy, KDY, you do need to change the way you speak, right? Mm -hmm. I probably can't drop subtle hints about uh, James McDonald's character, right? If I know I'm speaking to, let's say, 10 times the amount of people I'm speaking to right now. Yeah. Um, and so there is a point where that comes in. Now, but I agree with you. This is the one thing I want to point out. I do think most people like our sense of humor till we talk about their thing <laughs> this is the thing that drives this is what we all do though right i mean we all do this we all we all enjoy you know um kind of laughing at the expense of something until it hits us personally uh, and that's yeah. it's just a good exercise in humility to be able to laugh at yourself and to be able to laugh at laugh at uh the fact that others find something about you or what you do funny that's okay yeah. it's an okay I thing to do I had a great time. I, I got to be a guest. Uh, they were doing something called TikTok Theologians, which is secretly what I just wish we did on our podcast now on uh, Semper Doctrina. And the TikTok theologian they chose in this case was actually Francis Chan. 
and I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> laughing. I, I, they, I, I feel bad for them because I got them in trouble because I started laughing because Francis Chan has recently in a short interview said like he wants to go to his death being known as the one promoting the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, that this is what he wants to die as. And the reason it was funny is because Francis Chan has wanted to be that guy on about six issues. Everything. Just, yeah. no, it's ever, I mean, everything he's ever done or preached, yes. right, he's always so like over the top earnest, you know, yeah. I mean, it's everything. And so what I encourage the people that maybe uh, were disheartened by this, seemingly roman catholic tendency in some of the ways he was talking that uh, he'll probably get a new thing <laughs> but it, like that but that that was unwelcome and so but what i just want to encourage everyone with is if it's funny it's funny right just if it's funny it's funny and it's okay and it's good to have a sense of humor the other thing i do want to give everyone an out on is it is also possible based on your experience um, people you've learned from, things that have helped you, things that have hurt you. You may have an allergy to the way I talk about something, the way Pastor Michael talks about something, or a subject we talk about. Um, and I don't blame you for that. It may not be, it may not be able to be enjoyable for you or helpful for you, right? And I use the word allergy because I have some kids with a severe allergy. There are just things I don't keep in my home that are fine for everyone else, right? And so, and that's okay. Our show is our show yep. and so i don't know i don't know if i've gotten any further in talking through what the future of our tone will be all i can say is it is something we think about um people we know in real life listen to us and would be able to tell us if they thought we were uh in in uh in huge error with how we were speaking about an issue um and i and I don't know. I know I'm being recorded when I speak. The things we say, we know are being put out there. It's all I will say about me. I think I think we did. You would enjoy us in real life. Yeah, Matt, this has been a blast. Hey, everybody listening, we seriously we love you guys. Uh, this has been uh, just a blast to be able to do this and have these conversations and enjoy it with you. And shout out to all the patrons who we get to interact with on a daily basis. Um, it really is, it really is a blessing for us. And so, um, thank you for that. Really, thank you. And we hope that whatever we do, in whatever tone we do it, um, it will ultimately lead to the glory of God, the expansion of His kingdom. Amen. I do want to give a special thank you to our patrons. It is insane to think that we have 45 people uh, who have joined the Patreon uh, in the last year. And so we, it is, it is enjoyable to talk to you all uh, as we do very often. And so we hope you will consider joining them if you would like to support this show. And if you would like to hear upcoming gain or nuances on patriarchy, tobacco, the presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper, Van Til, baptism saves, and how we should think about Lutherans, Pastor Michael, those are going to be, uh, those are going to be a barrel of monkey. So until next time, this has been the Restless Podcast, and we hope you will enjoy your night in Geneva. Go listen to some psalms and chant them with the boys.